you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Welcome back, guys. I don't need to tell anyone that the industry, the restaurant business, hospitality, it brings people together. It's all about culture, family, tradition, and of course, sharing food and beverage with those we love and care about. So it's no surprise that I'm speaking today with a man that his Italian tradition means so much to him that they still gather every Sunday around the big family table and they share the big portions of food and they break bread. And that's really what this business is about. So you might be surprised to hear that I'm speaking with the CEO of Hooters, Mr. Sal Malilli, and we'll also be talking about their new concept, Hoots Wings. So don't get the wrong idea. Of course, the reputation was built on, of course, the girls, the calendars, but now Sal has shifted the company culture, and now it's more about focus on food and quality of service and the direction forward, especially after the pandemic. You're not going to want to miss this. There's lots of key learnings. We'll talk about staff training, the importance of that keyword hospitality, what that really means, and how you can share tradition in your own concept. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Of course, these are engaging topics that help restaurants rock their profits, build their brands, and deliver amazing guest service experiences. With me today, Mr. Sal Malilli, and he is the CEO of Hooters of America Restaurant Group. Welcome to the show, Sal. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thanks, Roger. I appreciate you having me on today. Well, I'm really glad to talk to you as well. But before we begin... Um, obviously, I'm very interested in your backstory and hospitality, how you got involved in, you know, Hooters of America. And now there's a new concept we're going to talk about, Hoots Wings. But before we do, um, let's talk about what you do outside of the restaurant or hospitality space. What are your passions? What really lights you up when you got any free time? Yeah, family. Yeah, we could almost stop the interview right there, right? At the end of the day, it's all about my family. Um, happily married, two wonderful children, both in college. And uh, I love to cook, right? It, it's ironic, independent of being in the food business, but uh, uh, that's my passion. I, I love, especially living in Chicago on the weekends, cold weather, you know, making stuff, fireplace, snow falling. Uh, I really enjoy having people over, large groups, small groups, and be able to share a meal with people. Well, that's part of the Italian culture, of course. And I understand that you also routinely do not miss a big family Sunday dinner. Right, an extended family as well. Is it a big deal? Yeah, it is. I, I grew up that way. Uh, fortunately, yeah. my parents instilled that on me. It was really our chance as a family to sort of take time out and 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 connect, right? And it was also a chance to go around the table and solve problems and have conversations and and what was good in people's lives, what were challenges, and how as a family we came together. And I think that's that was instilled upon me at a very early age. Family style meals, I'm sure, you know, big platters of pastas and, you know, all sort of, they call it primi and secondi in your country. If you left hungry, it was your own fault. (laughs) Well, I had an opportunity. I was in graduate school in 1988 and I lived in Milan, Italy for the summer. I was doing an internship for a global pharmaceutical company based in Milan. And it's interesting how those college or graduate school experiences shape your life. Who knew that all the pizza, all the wood-fired pizza that I ate in across the country of Italy would suddenly inspire me to someday create my own wood-fired pizzeria, you know? So... Yeah, exactly. It's small how things turn out like that. And you don't know it at the time, but it's a life experience. 
And then uh, years later, sometimes that experience comes full circle. So cooking's in your blood, obviously. I'm understanding that this is literally part of your family culture and you grew up cooking. And, you know, did your mother inspire you to cook? Did you just get into the kitchen one day and enjoy what you were doing? And did that lead to a hospitality career? Did you work in other restaurants as a teenager? What happened to you? Yeah, Roger, a really good question. Uh, I, I certainly came into the kitchen to eat when my mom was cooking. I don't know about helping, but uh, uh, I'm sure she can validate that. But we grew up in New Jersey, and we owned a, a family uh, delicatessen business, right? So, I mean, uh, seven days a week, uh, we got to go to work. We were out of school. We were in school. It was the weekend. So we, we always grew up around, I would say, the, the food business, the food industry, serving others. Uh, everybody's enjoying Christmas Eve, and that was one of our busiest days of the year. Um, I think, you know, growing up that way, being around food, it just lent itself. My first job, uh, you know, I remember being early in high school, I, I worked at a little burger place. Um, and then ultimately, my, my first real job with Hooters came when I was uh, uh, really in college. I, I was home my first weekend from school, first month or two. And one of the original founders had asked me if I was looking for a job. I said, yeah. He goes, can you cook? I said, yeah, I can cook. He goes, what experience do you have? as well? I grew up with this family deli. And he's like, all right, well, go out to this place in Tampa. You'll meet my partner. He's another Italian guy from Chicago. He goes, you'll have a job. And I was 19 years old at the time. And I started washing dishes and really had no idea what Hooters was. That's incredible. You know, I started, my very first job was a dishwasher at a private country club up the street from my house. And I have to say that that really instilled me that basic hospitality instinct and service philosophy. And it didn't hurt that, you know, all these private club members would tip really, really well if they received really good service. And that wasn't my primary motivation, but the service thing became really, really important to me. And I took that with me throughout my career as well. Hospitality, you know, the true meaning of that word. Yeah. And, and I think that really resonates to really all aspects of your life, right? At least I try to apply that, whether you're serving guests in the restaurant, whether you're taking care of your family. Uh, now it's today, people that we work with, our partners, our franchisees. And, and I think those are lessons that some people don't realize. And for me, I just stayed in the food industry didn't really fully comprehend it, but as I was able to advance, um, there was a much greater appreciation. And I think also starting there, um, you have an understanding of what people do day in and day out when they say something they can do or can't do. And I think, you know, my job as a leader is you know, really just to create the conditions for those people to be able to flourish. So having done those roles, how can I help them? How can I give back? How can I make things easier? How do I clear the clutter, I like to say, um, to make our business more successful? Let's go back to the history of Hooters. Take me through the creation of the brand. What year was that? And obviously, we all have our impressions of, of Hooters. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind are the uniforms, the girls, that kind of thing. And, and at some point, it kind of shifted beyond that. And it became more about the experience and the food. But tell us, give us the history of, of Hooters a little bit. Yeah, you're, you're spot on, Roger. Actually, um, you know, the original founders are really six couples. Um, from the Midwest that did the first store in 1983 down in Clearwater, Florida. And and you're right. I remember um, my partner, Ed Drosty, at the time swam off of Clearwater Beach on his boat, and he saw this girl who had just won the uh, the bikini pageant on the beach for Jose Cuervo. He, he gave his car door and said, hey, listen, I'm starting this restaurant concept, and I want you to be our, our, our first waitress. And that was Lynn Austin, really became our very first Hooters girl in, in the first store in 83. But, but, but to your point, um, you know, there, there's two things that you play word association when people say Hooters. 
you think two things. You think the Hooters girls and you think chicken wings, right? And, That's right. And, and, Correct. And it really is about the experience, you know, and it's very relevant today, but but staying with the history lesson, I mean, we've always said that we're we're the escape from the rigors of everyday life, right? No matter what goes like on, whew, you can come in the Hooters, this little beach concept, blow off some steam, have some friends, maybe you bring your family, your spouse, whatever it is, and you don't have to worry. You just for that moment in time, it, it's an escape from your life. And and little did we know, decades later, we'd be here almost 40 years later in the pandemic that that escape really became important. Yeah, it looks like the concept has legs figuratively and, uh, right? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, you're, you're leading the company and your objective forward is, is toward more transparent collaboration, communication. What exactly does that mean? And, and how does your leadership style of leading by example translate what I just said into ultimately the customer's experience delivered through your people? Yeah, it, great question. You know, people ask me, you know, what business am I in? Oh, you're in the restaurant business. And I say, no. Oh, you're in the chicken wing business. You're in the bar business. I said, no. And I said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, really in the people business, right? And they said, oh, you do staffing and recruiting? I said, no. I said, we're in the restaurant. But I really believe that internally we have our partners, which are our people, right? I mean, right now we're having these conversations and our guest experience is only as good as what our people are providing for them. Absolutely. Uh, number one. Number two, the flip side of that is absolutely our customers, right? That, that's the other half of the people equation. So I believe that the best thing I can do is provide an atmosphere that people are confident and they're comfortable and they're happy coming to work that when they do that, you know, I can't control what goes on outside of their world, but I can when they come into this world. And, and, and that I have hope and aspirations that that transcends over to the guest experience. If, if they're happy coming to work, and, and they're excited to be there and they understand the, the core competencies of what our brand is about, then they buy into that. They're engaged with that. And then I think the guests really feel that, right? We, we've all been out to eat. We've all had a bad experience, right? You can think about that right now in your head and you probably go, I've never been back to that place ever again. Correct. Uh, we all run that risk. Meanwhile, uh -huh. they fired the manager. They're giving out free lobster and champagne, but you wrote it off because you had a bad experience. And, and, and the same thing here, I use that story a lot that, you know, our Hooters girls and our kitchen people, they too are customers. They know firsthand how they like to be treated. And so, so I believe that, you know, we have to have an organizational chart. I understand that. But at the end of the day, we're all in the same huddle. We're all in the same team. So it does start at the top. It does start with examples. And, and I pride myself on, on asking opinions and trying to get collaboration and, and having people feel confident and comfortable to speak up because I don't have all the answers. And I think, you know, together we're stronger as a team. When we break the huddle, we're all on the same page. But you have to have the ability to speak your mind, be able to agree and disagree, uh, but ultimately align on what the direction is. And I think we're, we're more powerful together than we are individually. How many locations are there now, Sal? So Hooters of America owns and operates um, 200 individual Hooters restaurants. And then we have franchisees both domestically um, and around the world internationally. So you know, we're probably about 415, give or take the days on the pandemic and closures. But, yeah. um, you know, and then, of course, we, we've just launched, you know, our, our little brother concept, Hoots Wings, which, you know, we'll talk about. But but it's interesting. Over the years, it's been a good mix of corporately owned stores as well as stores that are franchised. So what happened when pandemic hit? 
what was your immediate reaction? Because you were obviously in the hot seat. You had to make some fast decisions that affected numerous locations, internationally, locally, that whole thing, as well as the franchise operators, the company-owned stores. I mean, you needed to set best practices in terms of safety, in terms of survival, in terms of profitability amidst constantly changing, shifting sands. Like, take me back there. I mean, that must have been incredibly pressure-packed. You, you certainly sound like you could have been in our boardroom at that moment, right? Um, yeah. You know, Roger, it's, it's funny, as, as, I, as I sit back and reflect on that, um, it really, I can answer that two ways. I'll answer it one with great sadness, right? Because obviously the world stopped on a dime. Um, I was actually in Asia at the time when this, this pandemic first broke, so I was fortunate to get back home. Um, but, you know, to lay people off, to, to not provide opportunity, to not service our customers and our regulars, but the whole world faced that. So it wasn't just us or our company that chose that. Sure. The second thing that I can say coming out of this is the word opportunity. And, and some people look at me like, what are you talking about opportunity? Right? It really enabled us to completely turn upside down, inside out, to keep the things that we knew were core to the brand. But it gave us permission. And, and I use that word permission to be able to discard you know, something that we wanted to change. Well, why did we change that? Well, that was the COVID. Oh, okay. How come you got rid of that? No, that was the COVID, right? So, you know, sadly, we've we turned it into an opportunity, and I think we're a much better company for it. Um, I also leads into the word nimbleness, right? And, and mm. to be able to be nimble, for I sure. think, is really the key because everybody, including us, stopped on a dime, and our dining business was gone overnight. Um, not everybody survived. Fortunately for us, we were already in the food to go or delivery business before yes. the pandemic hit. So. So that helped us, right? We turned our business strictly to that, um, you know, skeleton crews in the restaurants. Um, I remember, I still keep a piece of paper behind my desk. You know, we had daily conference calls at 9.30 every morning, right? And it was with every department head. And it, it sort of hit me, I'm prefacing by saying I'm not that bright, but it sort of hit me that, hey, what if we had this type of communication and what if we had this type of synergy and nimbleness on a regular basis? You know, what could we possibly achieve then? And so that really became a lot of the foundations. I was already anchored and believed in my career about collaborating and being transparent. This just really put a, an accelerant on being able to be nimble and be able to be, you know, I guess, transparent at the highest level that you knew exactly where we stood in this pandemic. And I think our, our employees and our franchisees appreciate that. Guys, take it from me, from one operator to another. I'll tell it to you straight. Nobody likes greasy pots and pans, and I want to keep my dish guys happy. So we upgraded to Dawn Professional Pot and Pan. Dawn Professional cleans 58% more pots and pans per sink than our old soap, the so-called leading competitor. Less dish soap means fewer sink changeovers and a happier dish crew. Try Dawn Professional in your place. It's clean, upgraded. Sounds to me that, you know, this whole philosophy of what your company culture is all about is centered around a word that I love, empowerment. It sounds like your people are empowered. They're given, you know, opportunities to advance and grow and make decisions and even fail at some of the decisions they make because that's all part of the growth process. They're recognized, they're rewarded, you know, that all leads to the longevity thing and, and having great people lead each store forward. I mean, is that yeah, yeah. spot on? Yeah, spot on. And you touched on a big word in there that I think most people run from. And that word is failure, right? Yes, I mean, I'll yes. be the first to tell you, I will fail five times before today's over. Um, I may fail before this interview is over, right? But at the end of the day, <laughs> um, 
that's very important, right? I mean, no one's going to lose their job because they failed. If you're not failing, yeah, I can build an argument you're also not trying hard enough, right? I mean, I also grew up as an athlete and I know I made many mistakes on the field. And, you know, what did I do in that huddle to bring our team back together to say, how can we learn? What do we do? And I think the same thing happens in business, right? If we can get our people comfortable enough that they can take risks, because, boy, some of those risks are going to hit. And when they hit, they could be home runs. So if you never try, you miss all the shots you don't take, right? So um, I, I think there's a, certainly a parallel path there between failure and learning and growth. In arguably the most competitive business on the planet, or at least I've been in a lot of different businesses and restaurants are by far the most challenging and most competitive. And we're competitive people by nature. So that is absolutely true. It's like you're only as strong as the foundation of your stores and your brand, which is your, your staff, because they're delivering these experiences day to day. They're making friends with your customers or not. You know, they're delivering those experiences that lead to positive online reviews and, you know, things going viral. It's like, it's all part of the, you know, what I'm going to ask you next. What are your training philosophies and what's it like to onboard a brand new employee in a Hooters and what are they immersed in? Like, is it the company culture first and then there's daily training and getting them up to speed, not only in their, the nuances of their job, but in the whole customer experience? How would you describe yeah. that? Yeah, a lot of moving parts around that, right? And, and throw the moving parts in and then throw in the pandemic and all the changes that come with that, right? Um, we are very, very blessed to have someone lead our department from the training perspective that actually started her career as a Hooters girl, right? No kidding. And, awesome. And, and, and if you think about that for a second, you know, there's a lot of people that we say in our culture, we bleed orange, right? It doesn't mean you've been around a long time. It's not time served, but but the passion that comes with leading mm -hmm. the brand and being involved it. in it. So to be relevant to your, to your question, I love um, it. It, it's exactly right. That, that onboarding starts with, it starts with the interview process, right? The first day they walk in the door, you know, are they greeted? Are they acknowledged? You know, the, the first thing we, we tell our, our managers is, boy, if you've got a customer complaint, stop everything and get to the floor. If somebody is here looking for a job, stop everything and get to the floor. You could be on the phone with me, hang up, call me back later. But the reason that's important is it sets the tone and the culture that, you know, we, again, we're in the people business. So, so, so that onboarding process starts even before they have the job. Like everyone else, as you would imagine, you know, now a lot of it is removed to remote training, to online training. Um, in terms of we have digital components, modules, a whole learning management system, but then you cannot change or replicate, you know, the actual interaction, right? So, if you're a person in the heart of the house, which we call our kitchen folks, right. or if you're one of the Hooters girls in the front of the house, I mean, you'll shadow people. You're working with someone that has been doing your job ahead of you. Um, that's the best way to teach um, in terms of those that are in the trenches. And I can relate to that because I have my own career that way. We've got several of us that are in the company today that have grown up through the system, as well as it's complemented with a nice mix of folks outside in an attempt to bring best practices. So, so that corporate culture piece is very important to me. At the end of the day, we're successful because of the people in the field at the stores. They're not successful because of me. Hopefully, I can contribute a little bit to create the conditions. Um, but ultimately, you said it best. They're engaging the customers. They're delivering. If something goes wrong, they're making it right. And, and there's nothing better than when you hear a customer say, well, you know, my Hooters. Right? You hear the word my Hooters. That's a pretty powerful statement. And, and somebody taught me a long time ago, it's not what you think about a brand, it's how you feel when you interact with that brand. 
And I think that's the greatest connection that we have between our staff and our customers is, you know, it's an escape from the rigors of everyday life. People like coming to Hooters and, and we continue to create those conditions. I would call that word affinity. And that is definitely part of the magic dust of what makes a restaurant great. And, you know, it's, it's so many different things because I call this business one of a thousand details because there certainly are in running a great restaurant. But really, if your people can consistently deliver the experience where people feel this is my place, I go nowhere else, I'm treated like I'm the most important customer. Even if you treat new people walking in the door who've never been in a Hooters like they're a regular or an old friend, that is part of that affinity building right there. That's Absolutely. And, and there's so many moving parts that can go wrong each and every day from the second we get there. I would, you think about the life of a manager, right? They, they walk in, the restaurant was not clean from the day before, something's broken, corporate office is on the phone. I mean, that's all before nine o'clock, right? Now we got customers coming in, there's a problem at table six, two kitchen guys didn't show up, Hooter Girl didn't come to work, you know, and it just snowballs. And, and that's every day, but, but that high stress atmosphere is where they survive best. And it, it's a certain unique characteristic in yeah. order to thrive in that environment. So you're yeah, right, a lot you're of moving parts. And that is, I mean, we're talking about one of the most difficult positions in a business, being the GM of a high volume restaurant and all the unexpected around the next corner, not to mention the pandemic, but just dealing, like you said, with all the human elements and pleasing the customer and making sure that the food is going out on time and to order and everything is to the customer's satisfaction and, you know, mopping up all the unforeseen things. So it's really being proactive, not reactive. And you can't train for that. It's got to be innate and, and based on experience, of course, but you either have it or you don't. And I, I agree. Wow. And that is one of the great leadership questions of all time, right? Can leadership at that level, can it be taught or are you born with it, right? And, and I'm sure there's a bunch of experts way smarter than me that'll build an <laughs> argument both ways. Yeah. But, but I tell you what, when you see it, you know it, right? And, and oh, yeah. you hear it, employees, there's nothing better than walking the floor of a restaurant and, yep. hey, how's your day going would you do different if you were in charge and you start to hear the comments or when you hear a few customers? So you're right. You're spot on. That's, that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where the success either happens or doesn't happen. And, and our brand is very resilient. Again, we, we've been around nearly four decades. So uh, that's why we have a lot of folks that have been with us a long time that, that bleed orange and that just lends itself to the culture. It's just like the Denver Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the new venture, Hoots Wings. Was this sort of a brainchild that happened pre-pandemic and you were just a brand extension? Or is this because of the pandemic? You just see the opportunity to deliver on the curbside pickup and delivery model, take it one step further than what the Hooters locations are doing now? Yeah, so uh, thanks. Uh, let me give you a brief history right on that. Yeah. All the way back to, um, you know, I talk about how resilient our brand is, right? came out of 9-11. Uh, we came out of the recession 2008-2009. We're coming out of again with the pandemic. But about, I would say 2013-14, that's really when the fast casual concepts were really exploding. It was a different service model. Um, and that came out of the recession out of 2008-2009 time. So we realized that we had high volume Hooter restaurants that were doing a tremendous amount of to-go. Right? Right. Our food travels well. Um, again, people, if I can't make it in for the game day experience, I can certainly take the food home. So we recognized that, well, what if we did a fast casual version of ourselves and just took our top selling menu items, right? It's not what Roger likes or Sal likes. We just said, these are the top items. And, and that's what we did. So this would have been 
15 and 16, couldn't get out of our own way. We tried to create something. We finally got something we liked. And we landed on February of 2017. And we opened the first boot swings out in a suburb, uh, suburban area of Chicago. So that was the first one in 17. Uh, since then, we've got a total of three in Chicago. We've got one in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, we've got three more now in Atlanta. Um, we just signed, I'm happy to announce today, actually, a, a 60-unit franchise agreement for Texas. Um, we've got a nice pipeline being built. So it really is an extension. I, I think what the pandemic did was it put a spotlight on good operators and, like you indicated, the the curbside food to go. We were already in that business and we already made deep investments in flyby and curbside technology that, you know, this just became natural. And the, I, I hate to use the word accelerant again, but the, the pandemic really sped that along because that's exactly what it is. Um, and it managed for us to be able to put Hoots Wings on the map, I think, a lot faster. Now, there is a dine-in component as well, even though it's a fast, casual concept. Am I correct? Correct. You can certainly go through the queue, get your food to go. You can call ahead and pick it up. And you can use one of the many delivery service providers. You know, we work with all of them, Postmates, Grubhub, Uber Eats, DoorDash, um, and you can also have it delivered. So, you know, it, it's, it's your food the way you want it um, with all the varieties of sauces and dips and rubs. Um, and then also the way you want to get it. You know, I, I think in the pandemic, we're seeing a mix of people now slowly starting to come back out depending where Absolutely. you live. Right. We're certainly seeing the delivery and, and to-go business continuing to be strong. Is there a drive-through component to certain locations? Uh, not yet. I say not yet because I don't know what I don't know. Um, but as I sit here today, we currently do not have that aspect. Must have been on fire for the Super Bowl, huh? Yeah, there was a little bit of organized chaos uh, amongst all of our Hooters, not to mention the Hoots Wings. That, that's always a great day for us. But 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 the good thing is, you know, I've always said we're a great complement to the sporting industry, meaning that sports bars, sports bars live or die by events. You know, we do really, really well on sporting right. events, but, but the, the atmosphere and the ambiance and the experience of both concepts and, of course, the food and the hoot side, um, you know, really lends itself to everyday eating, right? Wings, I think, after pizza are probably the number two uh, no question. item right now. So, I know. Um, and our product is unlike anyone else, right? There's a lot of people that drop chicken in a fryer, but... You know, we do that as well. We've got naked wings like the rest of the world, but we have this unique proprietary breaded product. We've got a smoked wing. We've got a roasted wing. We've got dips and rubs and sauces. It's like 10,000 combinations. We have a buffalo shrimp. We've got a chicken sandwich. So when you put all those things together, it's a lot of compelling reasons why Hoots Wings is going to be successful. You must have traveled quite a bit before the pandemic. Has that shifted a little bit? It has. Um, as I said, when the pandemic first broke in the January, early February, I was actually in Asia at the time visiting our mm -hmm. partners in that corridor. And, and, and yeah, the world stopped, right? So um, for me, I, 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 still, I still mask up. I still travel. I, I feel duty bound and obligated to, to lead by example. And, and, and we have a culture that if you're not comfortable coming to work, you don't come to work. Um, but it's hard for our managers, right? They can't, yes. they don't have the luxury of working remotely. So um, I put myself in their shoes as I've done growing up on that side. And um, uh, yeah, my, my, my corporate travel is, is cut down, so to speak, but I, I still think it's important to lead and to be visible. And, and that's, just, uh, that's just the way I'm wired. What's a typical day like in, you know, in the life of a CEO of a fast 
you know, growing large concept that's internationally recognized. What's, what's your day to day look like? Yeah, it changes all the time probably. Right. But I'm just, I'm sure the audience is curious. It it does change. And and I think I get back to how I try to lead our business being nimble. Right. Um, One, I I absolutely put our employees first, right. I I have to be responsive to them. Um, I have an open door policy. I have an open email video in today's day and age. So I always want to make sure what are those things that are percolating at that level. Um, I also think that the second most important piece is just showing up, right? I mean, uh, my 100% commitment, and it's it's certainly not a nine to five position. Um, I've, I've learned over the years that we have set meetings, not for the sake of them, but to be able to check in, to be able to have that collaboration and communication. And I think it's important that, you know, video calls, especially today is, you know, not just putting it on as background noise, um, putting the screen up, letting people see that you're there, being able to reassure, being able to be positive. I'm an optimist by nature. It makes it easier to lead day in and day out because our business performs really good right now. So, so that's been helpful. But, but the day's travel, it, it's less travel in to see our markets in terms of franchisees. Um, but it, it's like a doctor, we're on call, right? My, my job is not saving lives, unfortunately, but I absolutely want to be responsive as quick as I can to allow our employees to get the answers they need as fast as they can so they can continue on their purpose. For the company-owned stores, do you own the real estate or is it a mix of leaseholds and owner, you know, owned properties? Great question. Um, for the 200 that we have, they're 100% leased. Um, other franchisees, my other group at the Hooters Inc. and Clearwater, we own a mix of them. So it depends on the corporate philosophy. I see. So that must have been a challenge as well when you had to immediately shift during the pandemic and, you know, landlord concessions being one of the very first phone calls. What can we do? We're in this for the long haul and, you know, we're going to be here. We hope you're going to be here for us and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And and even that's a mix, right? You've got some corporate institution landlords um, that have a philosophy, good or bad. Um, You know, we also have, uh, I call them the mom and pops or independents and their whole life savings is around this, or maybe they inherited something or, um, and it's a mix in between. Uh, you know, fortunately, we've been in business a really long time. Um, I'm humbled to say that we only had a few casualties in this portfolio. So we're very, very lucky. And I think, you know, our landlords that have seen us perform over the years uh, made it a little easier for them to make accommodations. Uh, perhaps we've done lease extensions or we've renewed options to give them some greater security. So look, that too is a partnership, right? But it's another moving part that when you have no income coming in, um, you know, that's very difficult to make sure you pay the rent, taxes, and utilities, and all the things that go with that besides your employees. I can only imagine how many departments report to you. Obviously, you've got the CFO's office and the financial performance of the company and the individual locations is critically important. The marketing people, of course, the real estate people, the franchise people. It's like your phone must be ringing constantly, right? And every day you've got set meetings dealing with certain things, but there is a structure to it as well, I'm sure. It's organized chaos, right? It, and it has yeah. to be. Fortunately, I, I love to run at high RPM, so that helps. But, yeah. but you're exactly right, right? I mean, and then although I have a tendency to want to fly at 50,000 feet and respond to all those, occasionally there's a time in one of those departments where, hey, let's put the plane on the ground. We're going to get in the weeds on something um, because somebody either has a need or has a problem or we see it as an opportunity. I think the other neat thing is to be able to uh, create right? That's been the beauty of this brand, especially being nimble. When we first came up with the Buffalo shrimp product, we didn't know what that was. Nobody else has it. You know, the the smoked wing product, uh, the fried pickle product. I mean, 
these unique creations or what do we sponsor? What do we market? All of a sudden we're in NASCAR and Chase Elliott wins everything, right? I mean, so, you know, being to be, be forward thinking or skating where the puck's going to be. Um, you know, one of the things I, I you asked me really about being a CEO every day is, you know, I have to take care of myself before I can take care of others, right? So that's my mind, my body, and my soul. So, you know, when I have my daily routine of exercise or or maybe reflecting on a prayer to get my day started, it's like, all right, those are times that I can be free thinking that allow me to be creative. And and, and that's important because this concept is, is the most misunderstood brand out there, but there's nothing like it. And there, there's nothing been around in my lifetime, nearly four decades uh, between Hooters Girls and Chicken Wings that's got a tremendous long runway in front of it. Baseball and apple pie, Hooters <laughs> Girls and Wings. <laughs> it all fits I like together. it. You should be in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I have been. <laughs> I used to work for an ad agency in Los Angeles, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> Let me ask him, next question. What do you see as the future of the business? Like, where is it headed? Yeah, I, I think two things on that front. I think the food to go business and that muscle memory of consumers, you know, using our product in that way um, has become very strong in this. I think that's going to continue. So I think you know, how do we make that experience better, right? We continue to evolve in our digital platforms, online ordering. Uh, we've invested in flyby technology where you don't even have to get out of your car. You can pull up, your car is tracked, we bring the food out to you. Side note, we actually happen to have a, a bag that we invented years ago before the pandemic where the bag seals at the top. You know, you pull a label much like FedEx or yes. UPS. Oh, label. yes, right. So you talk about food integrity, right? You think about yeah. You're calling a delivery service where nobody knows. It's being made by somebody else in the kitchen that nobody else knows. Mm -hmm. Now it's being delivered by a driver that no one knows. Right. But you have the comfort that our food shows up from our kitchen yeah. to your kitchen without it. The second Untouched. piece of that is, you know, on the full service side, you know, as the vaccines are coming, as you're seeing a declination in the number of cases and the varied states where states are beginning to open up a little bit, we are seeing a tremendous pent-up demand come back out. Right? People are tired of being at home. They're tired of cooking. The novelty of, I'm going to make my bread with yeast from scratch has certainly worn off to, let's just order out tonight. I'm tired of doing that. I think the next step is going to be, hey, we want to be with other people. Right? We're social creatures. Again, our atmosphere with the game day TVs on and the Hooters girl experience lends itself for folks to come back, to come back quickly. So, I think that's going to continue. And, and I think moving on the forefront of Hooters and Hoots enables the consumer to get the product the way they want it, when they want it, and where they want it. Aside from the staple menu items that everyone knows, obviously the wings in many different variations, there is an R&D process, of course. You talked about the buffalo shrimp. You talked about the smoked wings. I imagine you've got this incredible test kitchen with an incredible you know, executive chef that comes up with these new ideas. Where do the ideas come from? How are they tested? How long before a new menu item hits the stores? Are there focus groups involved? Like, tell me about that process. Yeah, sometimes it's super complicated. Other times I'm like, let's not overthink it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think back to, you know, my partners in Clearwater, the first menu, uh, hey, most of the ideas were all stolen from another cool concept. Let's just take the best items from somewhere else. So, yes. you know, again, being in that industry, we have a tendency to travel. We have a tendency to eat out. Sometimes we see different ideas. Um, sometimes it's a vendor brings us a product. 
Um, there is a process, as you indicated, right? We've got a product development committee um, that's a collaboration between the franchise group as well as the corporate office where, you know, we try things. We look at deviations. We look at food costs. Um, we'll pick cells. We'll pick certain markets where we, we try it. I think of fried pickles. We put it on as a limited time offer. That's a cute idea. Worked out okay. Took it off the menu, and it was a public outcry. Um, so we realized very quickly, again, not that bright, but I think we should put fried pickles back on the menu. Yeah. But, but I think people are pleasantly surprised. If you think Hooters, you think Wings, um, I would totally tell you to have our crab legs. I would absolutely tell you to have our mahi sandwich, right? Things that people don't think about are peel and eat shrimp or a bucket of oysters. I mean, these are unique, compelling products that no one else really has um, that you sometimes people get pigeonholed. Our regular customers like, I don't need the menu. All my 20 wings hot, pitcher of beer. I've been here for 20 years. Um, but when you move around the menu, I think people are surprised the other items that we have. I'm very surprised to hear that. I um, wasn't aware that you did a you know bucket of oysters and those unique products, but I clearly see how they fit. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I highly recommend the crab legs. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Is there anything we missed talking about Hooters or Hoots Wings that you'd like to share? No, I would just encourage folks that uh, as they're comfortable leaving the house again, mask up, get out, come on into the restaurant. Uh, you know, we're dying to see folks back in. And I think if you're not comfortable, we certainly have the ability to have it delivered to your door or you can pick it up curbside. Um, the nice thing about our product is it travels well. It's portable. Um, it's been around for nearly four decades. We like to think that we're nearly world famous. Um, so we're going to continue on that. But we're excited about the brand. And we really could not do any of this without our people in the restaurants day in and day out. I cannot thank them enough. Uh, they really are the front line um, for us. And then, of course, our customers. Without them, we wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be on this call. Thanks for sharing your time with us, Sal. And to our audience, thank you for tuning in. Chances are with hundreds of locations, there's a Hoots or Hoots Wings or Hooters close to you. So thanks again. And that was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, everyone. If you're a restaurant owner, a general manager, a bar manager, even a server, if you're a hotelier or a franchise operator, and if you're still digging deep, if you've emerged from this pandemic and you're still hanging on, I give you so much credit. You know, no one could have ever seen this pandemic coming. No one has ever experienced the challenges that we've all experienced together in the past year. And I believe that we'll never see anything this challenging again. So once more, if you're still there, if you've emerged, if you're pivoting, if you've been challenged, but you've overcome, kudos to you. I wanted you to know, I've mentioned this before, but I'm so passionate about talking to other operators. Every week I talk to a couple people and it's so inspiring and uplifting for me. And if I can help, all the better. It's so fulfilling. So listen, I offer a 30-minute, no obligation, free consultation. We just get on Zoom and we chat for 30 minutes about your your pain points, your challenges, whatever keeps you up at night, or just answer, you know, ask me a question. I'm happy to help if I can. So why not reach out to me, Roger, R-O-G-E-R, at restaurantrockstars.com, and we'll set a date and we'll just get on the phone and chat. So why not do that? Thanks again for listening. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Dawn Professional Dish Liquid, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to, to the, the Restaurant, Restaurant Rockstars, Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.